hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another bonus episode of From Huns to Humans. I am so excited today to have Gabby here from the account Corporate Quitter. Um, Just a little heads up, we will be swearing a lot in this episode. So if you have little ones around, you might want to come back and listen later uh, if you care about them hearing us cuss. Um, Otherwise, Gabby, I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Yeah. Um, so you told me that you have had like a couple of dabblings with MLM. Do you want to share with us what those are before we get into like your corporate quitter story? Yeah, of course. So like all women, right. Especially women who are like entrepreneurial spirited, you're always looking for like that next thing, right. The cool thing, the cutting edge thing. And obviously there's so many MLMs that fall within like our lifestyle, right. Beauty, fashion, stuff like that. So it's obviously, it's a very sexy and appealing thing. Now, when I had first started, I think I tried it in college, although it had to do with insurance. So that wasn't sexy at all. And I remember being, you know, kind of, I started it and all this stuff and luckily I didn't have to buy products, but it was again, the same thing of like, you had to bring people on to then do the dirty work underneath you type of fear. And I didn't really understand that at the time I was just excited for like checks, you know, dollar signs and potential. And so I remember selling one person. I felt disgusting afterwards because I was like, I don't care about the product. They don't care about the product. It's just this dude who happens to find me cute. Like was like, yeah, I'll buy this thing from you. So um, after that, I was like, okay, that's not for me. And then years later, ended up dabbling in a couple more, um, just pertaining to again, like more of the lifestyle stuff, but just similarly before I actually pulled the trigger to buy the product, I was met with that same like yucky feeling of like, this doesn't feel right. So luckily I hadn't fully delved into it, but I mean, we've all seen the Lulu row, like documentaries we've seen what ends up happening. And it's just, it's terrible that women are targeted towards this sort of like entrepreneurial journey, right? They put it as like, Hey, be a stay at home mom and do these things. Not realizing that the undertaking, if you're not at the beginning of the forefront of this company launching really puts you at a disadvantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we love the LuLaRoe documentaries here. Um, and so, yeah, so what, like, I'm so curious to hear your like full story. Cause I do follow you on TikTok, and everyone should follow you on TikTok. Uh, the corporate quitter. Wait, no, it's not the corporate quitter. It's just corporate quitter. Right. Yep. Um, and I just want to hear like your whole story from beginning to end. <laughs> 
You know, it's so funny because people ask me this and I'm always like, oh God, I have so much to talk about. But <laughs> my story, like many people is not linear at all. So I went to school to be a teacher because my parents were like, oh, you're good with kids. You don't know what you're going to do. So just go there. That's and I was like, that's great. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Especially like as women, you're putting these boxes of like the nurturer, the carer, like all these things. So of course I went in that direction. Uh, because I didn't know what to do. Turns out I'm not supposed to be doing one specific thing. I'm supposed to be doing a multitude of things and breaking rules and doing all these things. So, which is why I led to entrepreneurship. But along the way, after I got my degree, gradually realized, okay, this is kind of like not getting me where I need to be. And that's when I started dabbling. So I was a nanny, then I was in real estate, then I was in, I was in tech. I was at a startup. I went to asset management, like the stuffy wall street, wear the white, you know, collared shirt type of environment. And then my last role, I was in commercial real estate. I had gotten promoted internally. I was doing marketing, which was absolutely crazy. It was ridiculous. Uh, so much cattiness and just like very cliche, like mean girls type of vibe. And so that was over the course of a six year period, all those jumps and pivots. And so during the pandemic was like the light bulb went off of like, okay, girl, time to do something else. Like we're drinking too much. We're crying before and after work, like time to, time to like put on your big girl panties and try something else. And so a couple months later in February of last year, 2021, I just quit cold Turkey and just started building this from scratch. I love that. Yeah. I think that um, that's so relatable to so many people who have found themselves in like this situation where they're trying to find something better. Right. Like, and that's why people end up in MLM because they think that it's going to be something better because it's marketed as like an all encompassing lifestyle. It's not just a job. It's, this is your life. Yeah. Especially um, for women too. Like we, yeah. on a week to week basis, even day-to-day -day basis, our thoughts, our emotions, things change so drastically that the MLM model itself is sexy because you're like, oh, I can like take a nap this day and be with my kids or, oh, tomorrow I can go to yoga and then make all this money. It's the same thing with entrepreneurship. Like it's sexy, right? We want to do those things. Right. Exactly. Like we want to have the flexibility the freedom and the ability to run our lives the way that we want to without being under a corporate thumb. However, I will say too, to other people, like if corporate life for you is what works, then that is absolutely okay. And we do not shame a nine to five here. <laughs> no, not at all. That it, you know what? It's great because for me, it gave me the foundational skills I needed to learn to actually build a business, like understanding actually how to communicate with people and like, like speak eloquently and deliver messages and learn marketing. And like, all of those things are important and paying off debt and just like, a means to live. But, um, if it's not for you and you have an itch that's you're meaning to scratch, probably a reason why that's happening. Absolutely. So like, what would you say is like the first steps when you're trying to go off on your own and like build your own company? So you have to experiment to validate. I wish I had done this the other, like I had done that first, but in women, like my mind, and I know a lot of women too, we aim for perfection, right? We need the plan. We have to have all the ducks aligned, right? Have to have the LLC and all this stuff in the monetization plan. But then we end up building something out that's not aligned or like down the road, we spend months and months building something that we don't love anymore. So the way in which to actually go about it is to just start experimenting. So just start dabbling and like creating eBooks and sharing things with friends and getting on TikTok and actually getting on podcasts is what really helped me because when you're passionate about something and it's aligned with what you currently stand for or the future version of yourself that you're building, if you can speak eloquently and get excited and you're using a lot of body movement during a podcast, you realize, oh my God, I'm onto something because I'm expanding instead of contrasting and shrinking. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's such a huge thing. And I think that that's something that we see here a lot is people come on here and they tell their stories and they get so excited about the journey and where they are now and the healing, but now you're taking it and you're turning it into a business. And I love that. So I didn't even plan for it to happen, but (laughs) here we are year and a half later. What exactly is your business? Good question. Cause I'm still figuring that out. Also like just PSA to everyone. You never really fully figure, have it figured out ever. Like you think you do, and then you pivot and things change and you get a new idea and you, there you go. But, um, it's evolved over this past year. So I went viral actually a year ago and that's when it started to transpire of like, Oh, this isn't just a hobby. This could be a business, right? I had to switch the hobby hat to now CEO hat. Right. So over the course of this past year, my business quote unquote has been in the realm of like coaching and consulting, like helping quitters, like kind of break those rules or bend them or just recreate new ones. In other cases, it's been more hands-on, like helping people launch podcasts or build websites for them or do more like tangible physical things. And then the other side has been more interestingly enough, like brand deals and sponsorships and things like that. So it's kind of been all over the place. Um, But the great thing is it's kind of all coming together. But the funny thing is, by me not choosing one specific thing and being really locked into it, instead being really adaptable, my life is changing drastically to the point that instead of me now being a quote unquote traditional businesswoman on the online space, I'm now leaning into entertainment where I'm talking with producers about docu-reality series. I've been in the media, I'm doing documentaries. So it's just, it's evolving because I haven't fixated on one specific thing. That is so interesting. And I think that's something that, people in MLM get really stuck in because we get really stuck in our niche of whatever company we were in, right? So showing us that we can really be flexible and move through our different creative processes and how that can be so helpful. And I love that. I love that because I was just thinking when you were talking, you're almost like so many things all in one. Like not only are you a CEO, but you're also like your own manager and Mm -hmm. like, uh, like an agent and all of those things. And then, you know, I think people on the outside who aren't like in really that influencer realm and we hear influencers talk about like how much they charge for a post and things like that. And it's like, how could that possibly cost that much money? But like, you have to remember, like, this space, like this influencer world didn't really exist before. It was all celebrities doing the marketing. And now you're putting on a face and you're bringing a brand to your followers and you're doing all of that work that used to be broken down by so many people. Um, and it's really cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's wild. Like the, the volume that people like the pay that goes on, not even for me, because I have a relatively quote unquote small platform in comparison to some other people that I'm in talks with or collaborate with. And I mean, the money that they charge is like, I, so I have a friend, I can't reveal her name because she's still under contract working things out, but she has a following over like 800,000. She blew up really quickly and she is signing a brand deal with a huge company, like big name player for like six figures and for like a nine month period. And it's like, Oh, are you kidding me? Like, seriously. And that's like one of many things that she does. And so like, this is the future of marketing. It's the future of branding. And also like, it's super cool as women, because right. The influencer community, these people who put on this, like all this are women, you can still be everything you want to be and not put yourself in a tiny little box and still make a ton of money. Like it's not, um, 
we as women can do so many things and we're forced into these boxes that like kind of a lot of men are where it's like, they only do this one thing and they only do it this way and all that. Whereas we can do everything, what you're a mom, you're a sister, you're a daughter, you're, you're an entrepreneur, like all these things. You can now bring that to the work front in your own personal spin um, and just really take it off. There is no ceiling. Um, I would love to talk to you about how you manage your time. So that way you're both making money and like, running a business, but also not being burned out, not, um, like neglecting your personal life. What is that like? And how do you do that? So it's really interesting because as a quitter and other quitters I've spoken to, there's about like a six to six months to a year long period where you actually have to purge that corporate mentality out of your system. Right. Cause you're in that, that idea of like, if I'm not productive, right. If I'm not like exhausted by the end of the day, right. Eyes twitching. Cause you had too much caffeine. Like the day is just shot, right. You didn't do anything. So my first uh, year in business, I was hustling all the time. I was waking up at like 5 a.m. I was working, sitting on my computer, grinding, chugging the coffee, doing the thing that I normally would do in corporate completely depleted by the end of the day, crash at like 9 p.m. Now, since January, I've completely transitioned to the point of, I wanted to change my mindset to, it's it's easy for me to make money. I enjoy my day-to-day. Things are fun. It's flexible and I can do what I want. And so this past six, well, eight months now, it's been a journey of trying to reprogram my mind to make it so that play comes before, like it takes a priority over work. And funny enough, because I've been doing that, I now, again, prioritize play. So my day is filled with things that make me feel good. And when you feel good, you perform better, you attract better opportunities. So you're pulling from a full cup instead of an empty one. So there is a transition period before you can start operating that way and things align. But I do not chase a single thing at this point. Like I I really do not chase anything, which sounds crazy and ridiculous and like not possible, but I, everything, the documentary that I'm in, uh, any of the docu-reality series, they do the brand deals. I do not chase. I just, I just suck it in. That's amazing. That's so cool. That's so exciting. Can you tell us about the documentaries yet or not yet? Yeah. So I have, I did one in June. Um, I have another one coming up, I think September or October, that one, we're still figuring things out. So I, I don't know if I could reveal too much, but the one I did in June, funny enough was with a Korean documentary, which is hilarious. Cause like I'm in the U S why would, why would Korea, you know, which is whatever it's hilarious, but so um, it was super cool because it was my first experience of actually like they paid for my flight from because I live in Austin. They paid for my flight from Austin to Texas. They paid for my hotel. Like they gave me money for like food and commuting and stuff. So it was just such a cool experience. And also to be in my old stomping grounds where I used to live, like literally at my old job site, they were filming me on the street to talk about the documentary and the things that I've done and all this experience as a quitter. Um, super cool. That one airs next month in September. The one that I'm doing September, October, it's going to be with BBC, which is huge. It's like a next level type of a documentary. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it'll be on Netflix. I don't know exactly where they'll place it, but that one's on the great resignation, just quitting as a whole and kind of how the future of work looks, which is really exciting. Um, The other one, their docu-reality series, I don't know where that's going to be placed. And we haven't even discussed filming times and things like that, but that is going to be more of like the day in the life of like an entrepreneur and a quitter who experiments on a day-to-day basis, as opposed to one person who does like the routine thing in the nine to five. Yeah. What would you say? So say the typical person is, you know, probably working a nine to five right now, or maybe a stay at home mom, how can, um, what are some steps that we can take to shift from becoming, taking a hobby and making it into a full-time job. Like how do we, 
how do you do that? And how do you do it without getting burned out? And is it possible to do it without getting burned out? Yeah. So you're going to maybe not like the answer to this, but if you want to treat like the, the phrase to put it that I really like is that if you treat it like a hobby, you get hobby results. So for me in the past, I had always tried to do these MLM things or side projects or start the side hustle before I built the business. And it never worked out because I was treating it like a hobby. But once I quit, once I was sinking serious money into it, because I was serious about it, that's when things started to blow up. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I delaying? Because I'm not treating it the way that it should, right? It's a baby. It's a whole new damn baby that you're building and you're nurturing and you're growing and you're loving on. So as you would your real physical baby in real life, what would you do to this baby to make sure that they grew and they survived and they were thriving? And so in this case, I have, I can't even tell you the amount at this point because it's so ridiculous. I've probably invested over 50 grand in coaching programs, softwares, help, like, and this is just, this isn't even cash. This is straight up debt. I, I don't care at this point how much money you need to spend because the dream's going to happen regardless because that's how serious I take it. And as a result, the results that I'm getting are freaking serious. Like again, media, brand deals, like crazy things. Like my whole apartment is paid for because of a brand deal I locked in. Like that didn't happen because I did it on the side, which I did do. I was moonlighting at one point working um, from four to 6 a.m. before I went to my job and then after from six to 10 p.m but I burned out within three months and realized, okay, if I don't take this seriously and quit and do it full-time before it's even a full-time thing, I'm never going to do this because I've tried and it's not working. Okay. So you feel like it's better to, I mean, like maybe you need to do some of it while you're still in your job, but most of it you're saying, just take the leap and do it. Well, yeah, because the other thing too, is you light a fire under your ass to actually kick those things in motion. Cause if you're sitting at your job, like you don't really have that stress of, oh my, oh my God, I have to make this work. Right. The other thing too, that I found is my creative ability was so cut off in my corporate job because I was so exhausted and they were forcing me in these boxes where again, I couldn't think beyond the processes and the things that they had in place. And once I quit and gave myself about a month's time to rest, to recharge, like really identify what I felt called to do, what was exciting for me and all of that. That's when the light bulb started to go off. And it, it was like, I was sucking in ideas on this fresh new palette, this fresh new foundation that I had never experienced ever in my life before, because I wasn't within this confines of a schedule or a routine, or even a boss who told me you can or can't do something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think that sometimes it's really scary and, you know, oh, it's terrifying. Might, it is that might not be the terrifying. right journey for everyone. And that's absolutely okay. Like, you know, I, I think that there's nothing wrong with going slower and building up while you're at your nine to five, maybe drop down to part-time and then finally take the leap forward. Um, but, you know, I think that if you're able to go ahead and put everything into it, you're right. Like you just, you have to do it. You don't really have a choice anymore. There's always another job that you can go back to. Exactly. It's a, it, what I found with quitting was it was what they call a revolving door opportunity. So you either have like one-way doors where you just go through it and it closes and you can't go back or you have revolving doors. I could have always gone back to corporate. I could have gone to the same employer. I could have got a job similar in another field in another state. Like, especially with remote work now, it's so possible that you can do the same thing anywhere. Um, so for me, it was a no brainer, but also, you know, it you, basically there are three things that you have to use up. It's either your time, money, or energy. So choose which of the resources you're going to use in order to make this happen. If you can use all three at once, you're obviously going to go quicker. So it's a matter of how fast do you want this to happen and how much are you willing to 
like bet on, bet on yourself and take a risk because it is a gamble. But if you want to take it slow, you can totally take it slow. It's just maybe it'll happen in 10 years instead of two years. Right, exactly. And I think that that's scary, right? And it makes people question if they can if they can do it when they go slow because you don't see the growth that you're looking for. Um, I just actually quit my corporate job. Well, I dropped down to fee-for-service and I took the leap to go all the way over to private practice. So I have two more weeks left of work and then I will be all on my own and I'm very excited to finally be just my own boss. (laughs) It's so different. It's so different when you're running the show and you're making your own rules and you're able to make your schedule and decide what your price ranges are and, you know, how you're going to do all of the things and design your own paperwork or whatever, you know, your niche is and your services are or products are. It's different when you get to do it on your own. It's just, it's really cool. Yeah. And that's where like the fun and the magic comes in because you don't have anyone who's telling you, oh, you can only make like a 3% raise this year. It's like, well, fuck, you know, like I'm going to make a fuck ton more because I said so. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then like, you know, the sky's the limit when you get to set your own rates and you get to decide what you're going to do with your time. Exactly. And I mean, that in itself is actually terrifying too. Cause even for myself at one point I was like, what am I even doing? Like, I don't have anything to do right now. So like, what, what do we do? Right. That the actual, having that choice sometimes is the most terrifying things for people. Right. Yeah. Um, what has your like mental health journey been like through all of this? If you don't mind. Yeah, it, it's definitely been a roller coaster, but what's funny is I anticipated when I quit corporate, like, especially on like TikTok and all these apps, a lot of people like to blow smoke up your ass where it's like, oh, it's going to be great every single day. And it's going to be amazing. And that's not the case. And it's not, not to shit on entrepreneurship, but you are challenged in more ways than you would think, especially mentally. And just like that internal spiritual growth. And also so many things happen to really push you outside your comfort zone, right? Not only the money, but like you even showing up vulnerably, vulnerably with people. Like I got in fights with my now ex, which were broken up for a reason, but he was not in approval of what I was doing. And we began to arguments about it, which made me feel terrible. So I'd go into a spiral. I mean, when you look at a, a, your, my savings account at one point that was completely empty because I put it all in my business, that doesn't feel good. So it's, it's been highs and lows, but generally speaking, I'm much stronger now because I can master my internal emotions and I have new tools that I have access to like painting and doing things that make me really happy to put me back in that space of having a full filled cup. Um, but it's been, it's been a journey. It's, it's never quite over regardless if you're in corporate or not, but again, because you have more say over your schedule and what you do, my mental health, I have a lot more say over it than when my boss would tell me you can do this or you can't do that, or you have to do this this way. Or, you know, what if there are days that I feel like shit, I can now rest on the couch all day instead of like actually trudging through emails and things like that. Right. Exactly. And like being able to like say, I can't do this today versus I have to do this today is so like, it's a weight lifted off your shoulders. Yeah. There's absolutely no obligation to do anything and everything that I do, it's completely because I choose to do it. Not because I feel like that I have to, or it's life or death. Right. Exactly. Um, so do you like travel with your business or do you stay put at home? No, I travel everywhere. So I, and also 
I have found that when you're, I'm sure you found this too, or we'll find this in private practice, other than like the patients or the people you interview and interact with, sometimes it can get a little bit lonely and I like want to be around people and have conversations. So I'll try my best to multiple times a week, go to a coffee shop, just like strike up unique conversations with people um, and just like be in a new environment, get new ideas and creative downloads. Um, I also, again, because of the documentary stuff and all the brand deals I do, I end up traveling quite a bit. So, which is fun because sometimes it's paid for. So it's like, yay, free trip. Um, but it's great because again, I get to set my schedule. So if I have to chill at home. That's cool. And if I have to work somewhere else, totally fine too. Um, let's talk for a second, what it means when you say free trip, because that is something that comes up all of the time in MLM, right? Yeah. Um, these girls that go on these quote unquote free trips that are never actually free. So what do you mean when you say free trip? Are they paying for your airfare or are they paying for your hotel? Are they paying for your food? What are they paying for? It really depends on how you want to break, how you want to work it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for example, that documentary I did in June, I just so happened to, when they had asked me, what is it that you need? I was feeling a little ballsy at that point because I'd never gotten a free trip before quite to the extent that I had asked for. But I was like, we're going to try to do a big, bold thing, right? We're going to show up with like celebrity energies kind of. And um, I had asked for, I want the flight. I want the hotel. I need some food for like, I need money for sustenance, right? The water, the food, the taxi ride, whatever it is. And they willingly were like, that's it. And I was like, that's it. Like, okay. So it was cool to see like that recognition of like, okay, they see value in me enough for me to ask of those things and they're paying for it, which obviously now changed the mechanism of my head of like, oh, I can ask it of other people as well. So um, the next trip I have, that one, I'm still working out the details of that too. It could just be a hotel stay, which is still great. It could just be a flight, but either way, free stuff is always great, right? Yes, exactly. And I think that, one of the things that we're really afraid of. And a lot of the people in uh, MLM are in the neurodivergent field because that's, it's so easy to get caught up with like the dopamine hits. Um, But what comes with the neurodivergency is, um, oh my gosh, my brain, Uh, rejection sensitivity. Um, So one of the things I've been working on myself a lot is like, it's okay to ask. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're exactly where you are now. Like you don't have to like be in fear of no, just because you ask something and they say no, doesn't mean the door closes all of the time. I have had to deal with that a lot this past year. I I feel like for most of my adult life, even my childhood, I really wanted to be in the shadows. Like I really didn't want to be seen. I didn't want for my needs. I, I had needs, right? We all have needs, but I didn't want other people to know that I had needs, right? I wanted to be the chill girl. I wanted to be the easy child, all of that. And so now to start asking for all these money, you know, this money and these things and this, this these accolades and stuff, it was super triggering. And it was very, there were times where I was just like, feeling disgusted. Like I, I felt so sick because I was like, how could I ask for these things? And then they give it to me and I'm like, oh, okay, this is cool. But I had to this past year go through a lot of like therapy and different like sessions. Like rest is a huge one that I've used this year. That's made great, great strides for me and my capacity to just do things and ask for stuff and even make more money. Um, by basically bashing all those limiting beliefs of like, oh, I'm not worthy enough to ask for these things, which is a huge, huge thing in the, just for women. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking is that women are often, we're put into these categories and oftentimes we're put into these helping professions Mm -hmm. like myself, where the money isn't very good, especially in the corporate realm of things. 
Um, you know, you go into these agencies, they don't pay you very well. You're a nurse, you're, you know, like a teacher, like sure you, you make enough money, you can survive, but like you're doing these things that are really, really hard and really, really demanding. And you just are never paid your worth and you're never given the time to rest that you actually need. Yeah. And we're changing that because that's bullshit. Like I just, it's so sad that these professions are the people who are at the forefront. They're the ones who are molding the lives of our future generations. They're the ones saving people. And yet we're regarded as like, not trash, but like basically the bottom of the totem pole, which is ridiculous because we run every, if women didn't exist, the world would be fucked. Let's just say that. Like, you know. Absolutely. Like we would be so screwed. Yeah. So it's, it's nice to see that women are finally understanding like, oh, I do have value. Oh, I do have worth. I can charge these things. I can ask for more. I can show up in my full self and take the spotlight and not feel ashamed or guilty for it is really awesome. It really is. And it's such a game changer, like to your outlook on life when you like change your mindset and you take control and you're ready to just say like, I'm in control. I'm in charge. I'm going to make the rules. I'm going to make the amount of money that I want to make. And I'm not going to let these old white dudes run my life anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's easier said than done though, because in the beginning, there's so much pushback in your current circle and the people around you who are still viewing you from the perspective of your old version of yourself. So either they adapt or that relationship needs to die, which is, can be painful too. Yeah, I think that that's really hard, especially for older generations to understand. Like, um, I got a lot of pushback from my family when I said that I was going to go off and do my own private practice. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? This is literally like the end goal. Like when you become a therapist, most of the time, the plan is you work for an agency for however long, or you work for somebody else for however long, and then you do it on your own. Like, that's kind of the point. And they're like, well, uh, benefits and insurance. And I was like, I can pay for those things myself. Like, I don't have to go through a company to get insurance. I can buy it myself. It's yeah. a little complicated, but like, I can figure it out. Like, I'm yeah. capable. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people don't realize that we have so many resources, resources at our fingertips that allow for those things to happen, like saving for like retirement, like that can happen just because you're a freelancer or like you have private practice. Like there are mechanisms and tools in place that allow you to operate similarly that you would in a nine to five, but without a cap or any restriction of any sort. Exactly. And I think that it can be a little scary because you feel like you don't know what you need to do, but I mean, this patriarchal society has taught us exactly what we need to do. We know exactly how to play the game. Some of the steps might be hard and confusing. Like, for example, getting an LLC, like, um, can be confusing. And like the form, the form is so easy, but then like you overthink it and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Do I know what I need? Like, should I get a lawyer? Like all this stuff. And then, you know, you just do it and you figure it out. And it's like, why, why did I make this so much harder than it needed to be? Um, Same thing with like buying the insurance, you know, you make it so much harder than it has to be sometimes. Um, But once you like finally get there and you take the pressure off and you're just like, okay, which plan do you want? It's not that bad. Yeah. And also I found too, when I was heavily like working on my masculine, 
when I was in the patriarchal system of a nine to five, it was not helpful for me. Like there were some great things about planning things rationally and like taking the time to do things and doing my research, but I operate 10 times better when I'm actually using my gut like my intuitive pull towards making those decisions of like, okay, is this the time to do the LLC? Do I hire this person? Do I work with that person? Like making decisions between two things, using both the masculine and feminine side of things, as opposed to just the masculine has completely made my decision-making ability 10 times better. Right. Cause when you're able to like use your intuition, you're actually able to take care of yourself so much easier. Exactly. And like those things, you can't necessarily go to someone and be like, oh, I'm making this decision because X, Y, and Z. It's no, it's just like, I'm making this decision because this is the, this is the right decision. And people are like, is it, is it really? And then you have to just stand your ground and just go with what goes, you know, what feels right. But uh, yeah, it, it becomes so much, it becomes like magic. You're like, oh, what else can we do? What else can we create? What else, what else can we bet on? Right. Exactly. And I think that, um, you know, it's been really cool to watch you like bet on yourself. And like, when I watch your TikToks and stuff, it's just so cool because you have so much energy and you're so exciting and, um, you have such a cool personality, which is why you're able to like draw all these people to you. And, um, you know, I think that we all have the capability to do that. And some extent, maybe you're not like super outgoing and like, literally sparkly like (laughs) um but (laughs) I I was never I didn't used to be like this it wasn't I used to oh yeah I was quiet like I said I was behind the scenes I was I could be extroverted when I needed to like be around the water cooler right like strike up conversations with people for my career but I was pretty much I was an anxious hot mess behind the scenes like didn't really wear revealing clothing like didn't I wanted to just remain behind the scenes period I didn't want to be seen and then once I quit I was like you know what like we're gonna try we're gonna switch things up a little bit and that's when the sparkle started to come about like the glow the the messing around with colors and clothing and dropping f-bombs like it just all started to come out because I didn't have anyone telling me I couldn't do it anymore yeah it was actually it's really funny that we're on this topic because literally last night I said to my husband, I was like, so I think I'm going to re look at like my fashion choices. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited because I like, so like essentially I have like all of these like tops that are just like basic and most of them are like floral print. And then I have my classic therapist cardigans, which I will not be getting rid of. Those are definitely part of my personality and my wardrobe. But um, I was like, I want to wear skulls and I want to wear fishnets and I want to be like a badass emo goth therapist. Oh my God, dude, I would go to you. See, but that's, that's a funny thing. I would go to you specifically as a therapist because you express yourself that way. That to me is like, this bitch is cool. Like she is cool. I mean, like, yeah. So like, I mean, typically you can't tell today because I need to redo it, but my hair is usually hot pink. And like, I'm like usually a little bit more fun than I am right now. But, um, yeah, I want to be able to be myself and be exactly what I want to portray myself as. And I don't want to have to worry about my corporate job dictating what I wear. Like, it's so like at one point, my job actually had, um, a rule that you couldn't wear a leopard Print, which Shut up. that's be, so ridiculous it's racist actually because that print is more found in people of color's lifestyle um and then white people stole it because it's cool um but you know like it's it's really cringy to like be like what do you mean I can't wear a print 
It's so like, ridiculous. How is that hurting someone? How is that hurting my therapeutic relationship with someone by wearing a animal? I just, I'm immediately thinking it's because some dude finds it attractive and they like need to be like, not get boners. So like, we're going to tell you not <laughs> yeah. to wear that. Like, cause we, we can't control ourselves because we're men like grow up. Yeah. I, and can't. I was told that I couldn't wear my Converse to work. And I was like, why? Like part of, part of being a therapist, especially when I work with or I worked with children and I was like, part of being a therapist is like being on the floor and like being ready to run. Like you have kids that are bolters and stuff like that. And I was like, why can't I wear my Converse? First of all, it's relatable to my teenagers and it's what I'm comfortable in. What is the difference? As long as I like am presentable, I'm not like showing up with my boobs out. Like, yeah, no, it's very, it's also, like you said, it's marketable to the people, your clientele. So it makes sense. And also like, I, it's funny. Cause I've, I've thought a bit that about this before about like the corporate, like, you know, you have this dress code and this formality. Mm-hmm. I do like the idea of getting dressed up, right. Cause it puts you in this space of like showing up like a bad bitch. Like I definitely feel like much more confident when I'm wearing a pair, like pair of heels. And I look like, I look like a bad bitch. Right. But that doesn't mean that if I wear my vans, which I wear all the time, that that's going to change the way that I perceive myself. If I choose to see myself in the heels and in the vans in the same exact way, like it right. doesn't really matter. You can be a bad bitch in your vans. I am. I fucking am. And so yeah. are you in your Converse. Like there's no sh- problem with it. Exactly. And the cool thing about our vans and our Converse is that our feet don't hurt afterwards. So- I know. Oh my God. The amount of like band-aids I've saved, like the, like the, like, I used to have to like the back of my feet were always covered in blisters. Yeah. No, no, it's not for me. It's not for me. That's for sure. Um, yeah. So what are some other things that you feel like have totally changed about your life since you have gone down this journey? So I kind of mentioned it briefly before. And as you could see all these like paintings and things, yeah. I went from being the person who didn't have hobbies because I was so burnt out. And also my brain at the time when I was in under the corporate umbrella was like, if you have a hobby that doesn't make money, it's pointless, right? That's just how I I used to think it was a very New York thing to think of like, oh, you have to monetize on whatever it is that you create. Mm-hmm. So when I started to switch my mentality of like, you know what I want to create and I want to do like, whether it's, I, I, I do well with movement. I also have my best ideas in business, specifically in business, instead of sitting at my desk with when I paint and do things. And I always had this idea of wanting to be this crazy artistic, like artsy bitch. Right. And yeah. so I just started to lean into that a couple of months ago when I moved to Texas and it's been remarkable to see like my brain expand almost like how a tree grows and the limbs start to shift and change and move different directions towards the sun. So I've gone into painting, I've gone into writing. I've, I mean, I do tons of different things pertaining to just the creating aspect of things, but I also have been pushing myself to do more um, things that actually make me move my body, like ecstatic dance, which is nuts. If anyone Googles it, it's quite, it's, it's unlike anything we've ever experienced. Um, to do that every single Sunday as a means of exercise. I walk a minimum of six miles a day. So it's just forcing myself to do things that force me as a woman to be out of my head and into my body so I can listen to my intuitive pulls and also force myself to actually expand on on a conscious and creative level has completely changed even how I view myself and how I express myself in the world. Absolutely. That is so cool. Um, And something that I'm really, really looking forward to as I like wind down at Um, my other job and like have more time freedom. I can't wait to be able to just do stuff for myself because I was working like 60 hours a week and now I, Oh my God, girl. Yeah. 
it was a lot and doing the podcast it was it was so much <laughs> so I'm really excited to just take a step back and I am looking at starting I was doing a dance class before but it was too far away it was like in Boston and I was driving an hour to get there um and but I'm looking I think I'm gonna take a tap class Oh, that sounds so fun, honestly. Yeah, but I'm also thinking about taking like a liquid motions class. I don't know. What's that? It's it's like, it's aligned with pole dancing. Like they're in pole studios, but it's more just about like being fluid um, and not, you're not using the pole. I don't know. I haven't actually done it yet. So that is just That sounds so cool though. Like, and also I I would bet that that whole experience would help you understand like what I have found that's super interesting is that all the creative things you do in expression teaches you how you play and dance in life. So I noticed that the way that I was dancing in my ecstatic dance class, where I was kind of focusing on myself, closing my eyes, I didn't want anyone to see me like kind of was the way that I showed up in the world for a really long time. And the yeah. same thing with like the way that I painted, like enjoying the process, like this one's not even done yet. Just enjoying the process has taught me to enjoy the process of my business as well. So you doing the fluid dance class probably would help you be more fluid, not just in your body, but in the way that you do things in business too right exactly and that like I'm just so excited because I want to do so many things and I want to get out of this chair and out of this office so bad and just explore my life so much more because it's so important and um I am a child free by choice person and you know that's part of the reason why is because I want to be able to do all these things with my life and I'm not doing them yeah And And I, I can't help but think like, now that I'm taking my life into my own hands, I'm going to be able to do all of these things that like, is why I chose this path. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And the really funny thing is that I know people say it and it's super cliche, but like there are no accidents. So you leaning into the itch of wanting to dance, is probably going to open up another layer or another footpath to get you where you need to be. Like even for me, I didn't realize I wanted to be in entertainment or in TV or any of those things. I would be like, no, not for me. I don't want the spotlight. And now I started taking singing classes and doing improv classes, like anything to lean into this because it's apparently it's something I really want to do, but I had no idea that it's something that I felt called to do. That's so cool. And I think that it's so interesting how this episode really started as me trying to figure out what your deal was. And then we have turned into how can we explore our hobbies? <laughs> well, it, you know what it is? It's, it's not even just exploring. It's, it's breaking rules, right? This is the entire conversation around corporate quitter. And even what I'm doing, it's just breaking rules, right? Not doing what everyone expects of you and doing what you just feel called to do, because the only thing that's certain in this life is death. So like, fuck it, like use the next 60 years to do whatever the fuck you want and make it into something that others think you can't do. Right. I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, all right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about today? I think that's really it. I just, um, I know everyone says it too, and it's cliche, but like, just get started before you're ready. Like I wasn't ready. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. And yet it's working out. The money's coming when it needs to. And it's just, it's all unfolding perfectly, even in those days that suck. But I wish I had done this sooner. I really do because I see who I am now at 29. Oh man, if I did this when I was like 25, even earlier, Kuno is the path I would have crafted for myself. And I'm only just getting started. And, you know, like, so we've had, I think, uh, three or four other people on so far for these guest episodes, 
where I think so two other people that are specifically talking about like not working a corporate job and like doing things for yourself. Um, and the real like takeaway that I've gotten is that there are so many resources out there. There are so many women out there. Like you have so much content on your TikTok and like, do you have programs and stuff too that you sell? I'm, I'm working on them. Yeah. So right now they're just like one-offs, but eventually I'll be having more courses and stuff like a quitter starter pack, which we're building out. But, um, yeah, there, I, mean, I have a friend who built an entire press on nail company just by learning through YouTube. Like this shit is possible. doesn't matter where you get the info. It's out there. Right. Exactly. And like, ask questions. Like, again, the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to say, I'm sorry, I don't have time for this or sorry. Like I can't answer your questions, but like, nobody is really out here looking for people to fail. Like, especially women, like we're out here, we're, we want everyone to succeed. That's the whole point of like, when you were in MLMs, right guys, like you're trying to get everyone around you to be as successful as you are. And that's when you look around and you're like, if you made it to the top, you're like, oh shoot, everyone is losing money except for me. Um, so like the goal is that we're all at the top and we're all doing whatever it is that makes us happy in our own way, whether it is working a nine to five or it's, you know, abandoning that and breaking the rules and following your dreams. And that's just so cool. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really fun journey. So Gabby, what is your anti MLM? Why? It's just another hamster wheel, honestly, <laughs> like, which really sounds terrible, but, uh, just like corporate, like you keep going and you think it's good and then it goes down and then it's like, you just never, you can never get off it when you're on it. So just, you have to craft something for yourself. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Gabby, for making time for us today. Um, where can people find you? Yeah. So you can find me all, all across social at corporate quitter. Um, and then my website is corporate quitter. My podcast is corporate quitter. So just everything kind of falls underneath that umbrella. Perfect. Thank you so much. And I hope that everyone has a fantastic rest of your week. Bye.